Hello and welcome to the Reverend Hunter Podcast. This is Tony Jones. I'm the Reverend Hunter, joined as always by... Buckle your seatbelt. Ready? I'm ready. The Peter to my Jesus, Brandon. <laughs> yes, we're finally making it there. <laughs> you, you knew it had to come eventually. Awesome. How are you doing, Tony? We're, we're at peak Bible sidekick right now. Yeah, where it's do a, we go from here with the Bible? Oh, there's a few more, dude. Okay. There's a few more. There's a few post-Jesus sidekicks. Uh, Paul, you know, we're, we're, we'll have some Paul in a couple weeks. Uh, <laughs> we might have some some apocalyptic, you know, riders on horseback. I don't know. But we have to go in chronological order. We have to get Jesus and Peter. Uh, and there we have it. I'm, I am... Fully leaning into my Messiah complex <laughs> this week on the podcast. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, uh, I had a yet another weekend in South Dakota. As I've as I've mentioned here before, I'm a sucker for pheasant hunting, and since they extended the season into late January, I have gone every year. I went this year. Uh, it was it's very difficult hunting it, it is not for the faint of heart because even though the weather was fantastic and we had a couple we had a bit of fog but mainly just beautiful sunny days um it's probably actually easier to hunt late season pheasants in bad weather because they're really grouped up and as as one farmer said to me they can hear you coming three quarters of a mile away so a lot of times before we even got out of the trucks, we'd see 100 pheasants get up out of a cattail slough and fly away because they're kind of, they're all grouped up. They hear you coming, away they go. And then you, uh, nevertheless, you grab your gun, you grab your dog, you slog into this cattail slough, hoping that there's a couple dumb ones who <laughs> didn't fly away. And sometimes you scratch out a few. I mean, we... We scratched out a couple dozen birds um, over three days of hunting, so no complaints. Dogs yeah. were, I mean, my dog can barely move. He's so beat, and I I burned off a few pounds, too, pounded through cattails, but, oh, man, we stay at this incredible place now called the Prairie Bridge Lodge. Don't try to get in it, because I think we tried to book it up almost every weekend for next season already. Uh <laughs> Yeah, and it it's the same type of hunt we had with Scott Franzen on the Flush TV show, which will be up on YouTube soon. And of course, we'll talk about it when it is. Um, but it was that it's that same type of hunt, tough tough hunt, but still amazing. Love being out there, great friends. You know, really fun at the lodge at night, drinking beer. We're all cooking for each other and um, having a great time telling tall tales. So. It was good. It's all good. That sounds like a nice way to end the season. Yeah, man, it was. And now, uh, yep, I'm I'm putting away all the hunting gear until turkey season in April. So it's a couple months off. Now I'm I'm actually sitting in my daughter's old bedroom looking at the hardwood floors and what terrible shape they're in because that's the next project is refinishing all the hardwood floors in the in the upstairs of our house and. Yeah, that's going to be a rough one. Wow, that sounds like a blast. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it'll it's not going to be fun, but it needs to be done. And now's the time the kids are gone. Now's the time to tackle projects yeah. like that. So something to pass that time between yeah. turkey season yeah. too. Yeah, exactly. How about you? What's shaking? Not much, man. Not a whole lot. I uh, worked at my live music gig over the weekend, so I, you know, that was pretty much all I did. It went pretty well. It okay. Yeah. 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 People still going downtown to Hell's Kitchen and listening to music. People are still going downtown to Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, it was kind of. It was actually pretty busy this weekend, so it was. It was, it was nice to see. Usually, after the Vikings are out, it kind of slows down for a couple of weeks. But oh yeah, it was pretty hopping this weekend. Good man. Yeah. Good. 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 Well, and you got the audiobook all turned in? I got the audiobook all turned in. They have it. They have possession of it. I haven't received any notes back, so I take that as a good sign. Yeah. <laughs> that I haven't too. had to well, change anything yet. Um, I'm grateful. It's it's coming up. That's uh, April 2. It'll be available. And I, it's funny, Brandon. I hear more and more people when they hear I have a book coming out, they'll, the first question is, is it going to be on audiobook? Because I don't really read books, but I listen to them. Yeah. I mean, I'm hearing that more and more from people. So I'm really glad we we uh, we collaborated on that project. I yeah, think. yeah, same here. And it's, it's kind of funny. I just started a new audio book over the weekend, too, uh, in my in-between shifts and such. The new Tim O'Brien um, <laughs> book. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's it's interesting. I'm only a couple chapters in. It's Tim O'Brien, so it's written, you know, beautifully. But yeah, I got to yeah. tell you, it's super distracting to hear it. Um, when somebody's narrating it, a male specifically, doing a female voice, I'm uh, very glad we don't have that in your book. That's yeah, it's no, such an didn't. off-putting thing to hear in a book. <laughs> I didn't try to really do any voices. Uh, my friend Jorge, who, who's Chilean, I did not try to do a Chilean accent. And even the, um, the words in Welsh, uh, there's a hymn, there's a verse of a hymn in Welsh, and we even had a native welshman actually voiced that for us because i did not want to butcher it so <laughs> no no i think we did it appropriately i'm I'm super yeah. happy with the way we did it yeah it's good <laughs> it's all good well this week's guest is mike nadusky you might have heard him on the flush podcast recently he was talking about his acquisition of ugly dog hunting gear which is an online retailer which just has fantastic gear and and that's linked in the show notes but uh, Mike and I talk a little bit about that at the end, but we're talking more about kind of our mutual love of hunting, uh, hunting dogs and his journey that includes some pretty dramatic stuff. I mean, you know, including his the murder of his grandfather and how that really shaped his life um, and how his hunting has really become core to his you know, basically his spirituality, which of course is what I'm all about. That when, when the outdoors become core to someone's spirituality. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a great conversation. He's a great guy, good new friend. And anytime I find somebody who's like as crazy and passionate about upland bird hunting as I am, I'm I like, okay, save that guy's contact information because, uh, I'm a lot of times just looking for somebody to go out with me. And I think he's one of them. He might be in the future, but yeah, he's a great guy. And Brandon, thanks again for coming over to my house to do a live recording. Oh, yeah, it's a blast. I get to pet your dogs the entire time and hang out. <laughs> it's fun for me. Crosby does like to snuggle up right under your legs. And yep. Luna's usually on the couch next to you in, in your normal recording spot. So. <laughs> yeah, the first thing I do when I get there and I'm set up is I snap a picture to my partner so uh, she can see the dogs. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. 
uh, please, you know, rate, review, subscribe, share with friends, etc. We We love the support. Thanks to you, Brandon, as always, for engineering the Reverend Hunter podcast. And here is my conversation with Mike Nadusky. How much do you love your dog? Oof. Unconditionally. <laughs> you write a lot about your dogs. Uh, yeah, that's probably the only thing I write about. Really? Why is that? Tell me about the connection. What is it? That's a oh, great question right out of the gate. I love I mean, it. We're going to jump into the deep perfect, end of the pool. Perfect. Deep end of the pool. Oh, man. Uh, I have a story about the deep end of the pool. Maybe later. Um, so that starts my journey into this candidly. Um, so I wrote a little bit in high school, uh, mostly poetry actually. And, and where was this? Worcester? Worcester, Worcester. Mass? Yeah. Did you really? Yeah. So I went to St. John's I in Shrewsbury. Uh, so Worcester adjacent. I once, you didn't grow up evangelical, so you don't know the band Striper. No. Do you, Brandon? Have you heard of Striper? All right. Striper, they wore, they're like a Christian hair metal band. Okay. And they wore yellow and black striped because like by his stripes, we are healed from, okay. from Isaiah. And I once drove down from college to the Worcester Centrum yeah. to watch Striper in concert. Nice. Anyways, Perfect. I, I, I have a little experience. That's a little, a little I taste of I once dated a girl from Worcester too. That's a not story we won't get into. That's uh, fair. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, um, so I grew up, grew up out east, and um, so anyway, I wrote, I wrote in high school um, mostly like poetry and messed around with stuff, um, and then uh, candidly, my grandfather died, and I stopped writing. I could. Really? How old were you? Sixteen. Dang. Yeah. Were you were close to him? Very. Okay. Yeah, immensely, and. Um, it was one of those where at the time I was self-aware enough to go, like, if I scratch this scab, I don't know what's going to come out and I don't trust it and I won't do it. And it's funny now that I think back on that. So fast forward 25, I get a bird dog and, um, I'm like all consumed with it. Like train. Stop, stop, stop. Oh. You're jumping. Out, like, I know it's a whole, whole lot of holes to things, but you asked about writing. So. I know, but the bird dog, man. I mean, yeah. at 25, you just went out and got a bird dog? Like, yeah. You, I mean. Had you grown up hunting in Worcester? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, that's part of why I was really close to my grandfather. So okay. we, I grew up on a farm out east, um, a very sort of typical, like, patriarchal uh, hunting family. My dad hunted. My grandfather, my dad's dad hunted. Um, and so that's how we spent all fall together. Hunting what? Deer. White-tailed deer. Okay. So um, he, my, my dad and my grandfather had hunted ducks uh, when like way before I was born. So I, I was strictly a deer hunter and, um, did that, loved it. Um, I would actually tell you, so I gave up when he died, I gave up riding and I went hardcore into deer hunting. Like I hunted a ton. Um, so through high school, all through high school, if I came, my parents would tell you, if I came home from college, like for Thanksgiving, they saw me when I was napping on the couch between 11 and one. And then I was back in the woods and then I'd get out of the woods and go see my friends. What was it about deer hunting you loved so much? Uh, I think it's then I think it was, that's what we did. And so it was a way to stay close to him. Um, and I grew up on a family farm and so, you know, all of our stands were ours, you know, there was his stand, there was mine, there was my dad's, there was there, you know, I'm sure you have this on your farm. Like you call things by certain places. Mm -hmm. So for us, it was the ledges or the crater or, you know, the cedar swamp, those types of things. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it, 
it became like this sanctuary for me. Um, and so I did it all the time. And so to, to not super fast forward. So I left for college, I actually came out to the Midwest for college. I went to Marquette. Um, loved that experience. I actually look back now and go, I don't know how I didn't really hunt through college. I did a little bit. Um, and I'm sure we'll get to that. I have a couple now really good friends that, that I had met in college that hunted sort of my last couple of years in college that we did some bird hunting, mostly ducks. Um, and so get through college, go to graduate school. I go to graduate school at Clemson. Um, in what I, field? Uh, college student affairs and counseling. Okay. So basically counseling college students. Okay. And um, I'm in the South. I'm in graduate school. I don't really hunt at all. Get out of graduate school, move to St. Louis, uh, working for a small university there. And I finally have time again. I'm like, oh, I want to get into deer hunting, back into deer hunting. So I would still go home and deer hunt the farm over holidays, but sure. wasn't really deer hunting at all. So I'm in St. Louis. I realize that deer hunting there, if you're going to hunt with a gun, because that's how I grew up, was rifle hunting. The season's like eight days. Yeah. And where I grew up, because we owned a farm, you could hunt for two months with a rifle. No kidding? Yeah. Because on landowner tags. Dang. Okay. And so I'm like, well, well, this isn't going to work. So I start bow hunting. That's what led me to a dog, candidly. So I okay. um, bow hunting, and I want a dog that will blood track. And um, But I, like, like I mentioned in college, I dabbled in waterfowl a little bit. And in my younger years, I remember seeing uh, a German wire herd pointer in Outdoor Life or Field and Stream when I was young and went, that thing looks cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I remember this. I wish I could find it, you know, in the archives. If I if I had the time, I would go back and look. There was this thing like, here's the the environment that it's suitable to be in, and I remember distinctly it was like, this is not the dog to have in an apartment. Ah, yes. And I was a hall director, so I was living in an apartment okay. in a dormitory, mm-hmm. and that's what I went and got. <laughs> and um, and through that. I mean, that changed my life, candidly. Um, and so I get, this, I get this puppy, and I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm like, I'm a total input. Have you ever done Strengths Quest? It's, uh, yeah. So, and everybody has different, yeah, whether they love it or not, but there's a category in there called input about like you're like an information nut, and I am a hardcore input person. So I like immerse myself in ah, the dog thing. Okay. Reading books and blogs. Yeah. And, all of this stuff. Turns out the, the the guy that owned the sire of the litter lived like five minutes from the university that I worked at, unbeknownst to me. So he calls me up out of the blue one day and says, hey, I'm going to train Leo. Can I, I want to see the puppy. Will you come with me? Um, and he proceeds to take a completely finished dog out of the truck and do some stuff with it. And I'm like, well. And he literally, he handed me the gun and went, can you shoot birds for me? Because I got to handle the dog. Yeah. And I didn't have the heart to tell him I'd never killed a bird with a shock, you know, upland bird with a shotgun yeah, yeah, before. But right. I'm like, I'll be okay, sure. Uh, and all of a sudden, it clicked in my head, like, oh, I, if I do this dog training thing, like, I get to hunt all year round, kind of. Um, and I became the kid that like followed him around, you know, oh, like, where are you training? How can I help? Yeah, what yeah, can I do? How yeah. can I get involved? Um, but as I, to go back to your writing question and how I kind of got here, I was. I was trying to find everything and anything that I could about dogs and hunting and birds. And, and I 
literally stumbled upon the blog Mouthful of Feathers. And it was these guys that were writing more literary style stuff about bird hunting, particularly in the West. And candidly, they were also talking about like the public lands movement mm-hmm. and conservation. Mm-hmm. And so through that, I fell in love with, with the writing and conservation. That's what led me to BHA and, and my path in other conservation organizations in my career. But it got me to write again because I went, oh, this, this is like a thing. I wonder if I could do that. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I started like a WordPress blog and just threw stuff up there. And, um, and, and from there, uh, you know, I I never really wrote for publication, but I just sort of, it became like a good outlet for me. Moved a bunch with, from a career perspective, um, and personal life. And then COVID happened. And, um, I was going through a lot personally. And, um, I wrote an essay about resilience, like, two weeks into COVID, like very, you know, sometime in March, the start of COVID. And I put it on my blog and I put it on Facebook. And um, through my volunteer work, I had become friends with Eddie Nickens, who is a writer for Field and Stream and Garden and Gun and a host of places, very well known. Um, and Eddie texts me, I'll never forget this. He texts me and he go, and we have a good relationship and I'll leave out the expletives, but it was, hey man, I didn't know you were a expletive writer and i go um it's I'm like i mean i'm not eddie <laughs> i'm not you you know yeah. um and he was like that's really good you should do more of that and then i had another friend from graduate school who had left higher ed become a writer he texted me the same thing um, i had gotten to know reed ryan a little bit he sent me something very similar for another essay that i wrote and i went well I get, if people are telling me that i should do this i probably should take this a bit more seriously mm-hmm. um and then from there it became a bit of um I, ne- I needed the encouragement of other people to keep doing it but then also with covid and a host of things going on it on, candidly just like became like a really good sort of therapeutic outlet for me and over time it has become this uh i'm gonna write whatever the hell that i want that comes to mind and i you know if people read it great and it resonates great and if it doesn't oh well but i feel better after i wrote i vomited it out so Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. here we are so you're not trying to necessarily pitch those pieces and make money doing it or anything like that or no i mean i've certainly sold some essays and things but i'm not no i don't i've actually talked with with ryan uh the new editor for for quill forever um he uh lives down in Fairbone. we've hunted a bit um and he's like well just write something and send it to me and i'm like I'd, okay I, I you know or pitch me and i'm like i'm terrible with pitches like i it's i, I generally write it and send it or you know i'll i'll call somebody and be like hey what do you want and i'll try to if they trust me enough i'll try to right. find my way there um but i'm like i've done it but i hate it like i'm terrible at the how-to stuff yeah, the pitching is a funny thing because uh, in my older, in my earlier life in like the ministry world, I don't remember ever pitching stuff. I would just write it and send it in, mm-hmm. and sometimes it would get published and sometimes it wouldn't. Yeah, but a lot of times it would because people knew me and my name, having a, my name in the magazine, uh, writing a book review or whatever was good yeah. for them. But yeah, it's different in this world where I'm not known. Mm-hmm. and pitching like tom carpenter at, at pfj you know yeah he doesn't want a full article at 
first. No. He wants an idea. Yeah. And then he wants to shape that idea. Mm-hmm. Which, like, yeah, my last piece at, he took it in a totally different direction than I wanted to take it. But it was still, sure. you know, he was probably right. And, you know, it's still, I was very happy with the mm-hmm. thing and he published it. And, you know, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's funny. So you interviewed Worth. Um, yeah. And I actually just listened to that recently on a trip. And I, what I've learned to do is I keep a notebook on my center console and I'll just write down ideas. And so even just that conversation that you all had, like got me spinning in my head about stuff. And so, yeah, I, I would tell you I'm, I worth is the best editor on the planet. Uh, in my experience, I wrote a piece for him for time Beckbeat, and he literally sat on the phone with me for two hours and we went, he, we literally read it out loud on the phone to each Gosh, other. That's funny. Um, but he didn't, I don't, I th- I've had editors and this is probably more in the how to space of like trying to shape it. Like you said, and I, yeah. maybe it's ego. I don't know, but I'm like, no, I wrote what I wrote. Like, okay, <laughs> let's, let's just in case worth is, uh, listening. Let's just, I'm just going to read to you a little text I had with him today. Okay. Okay. I texted him just had lunch with Lucas leaf, executive director of sportsman for the boundary waters. Dave Simonette is on his board, which led me to bring up your name because, of course, we're Absolutely. friends with Dave Simonette. Quote, I hear he's a tough editor, Lucas said. I did not correct him. <laughs> and then worth, ha, 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 hell, you know more about language than I do. I just hear music and the words. Because here's a funny thing. I'm just going to call out Worth. Yes, Worth is a great editor, and I was happy to write for him, and I love my Tom Beckbee vest that mm-hmm. I got. Love it. I'm going to write for him again just to get some more Tom Beckbee gear. Um, but in his notes, he got, some, he got something grammatically wrong that I got grammatically right. Mm. Um, now, this dude is a Marine. Sure. And I have a PhD. So, like, we have different areas of competence. You know oh, what I'm saying? For sure. Yeah. I mean, he's a great writer. Yeah. But I think that's right. I'm a very – I'm a – I think a lot of people would say I'm a really tough editor too, but tougher on the grammatical side okay. than on the I hear the words that sing side. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I resonate with that. He's a great, he's a great editor. Well, I mean, he, way, he yeah. gave me the, the full Marine beatdown on passive voice. And so now when oh, I write, I, I literally have worth in my okay, head Mike, of like, but no, here's the change thing. that. He wrote on one of the things, no passive voice. And I'm like, that's not a passive voice. That is a past participle. It's not a past, or it was a pluperfect verb or something. Yeah. It was like, you want to go deep in the weeds, bro? I live in those weeds. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I'm waiting for you in those weeds. Come on, let's yeah. go in the weeds. Nice. So that was, that's my funny little uh, worth. But he, yeah, what a great guy and a great addition to my life. And by the way, I have convinced him to come up here for rendezvous. Oh, perfect. Cuz then I dangled the carrot of turkey hunting up at our oh. land afterwards, so he'll be here. He is a turkey know. nut. He yeah, he'll yeah. be here in April for uh rendezvous. I assume you'll be Oh yeah. hanging I'll, around. I'll there. be around. Yeah. yeah, yeah no, yeah. but to to that point, so you mentioned like pitching. I guess I pitched I pitched worth what I have published for Beckby. I pitched, but I had known worth casually and so and that was some like a story that sort of hit me like a bolt of lightning and i literally texted him like hey 
do you you know it's Masters time, and I understand the Beckby brand, particularly being Southern, and I was like, oh sure, you know, I have a story about the Masters and my dog. Do you you know do you want it? And he in worth well very editorial, write it and send it to me. And I was going to write it anyway. And yeah. so I literally, I wrote up, I woke up the next morning and vomited it out and sent it to him. Yeah. And then we did the back and back forth, and but he really didn't change much. It was for me, it was more grammatical. Cause like him, I also don't have any yeah. formal training. I just kind of throw it out there. Right, and go from there. Right. Right. That's good. That's good. Well, yeah. For people who are listening, the field journal at Tom Beckby, the clothing, it's a clothing company, but their field journal is, has some really, and he, curates that yeah. space and it's outstanding and yeah it really it really is but don't you find it hard i, I remember a pitch i made mm-hmm. to the star tribune back when they still used freelancers for the outdoors weekend section i was like uh to bob timmons um friend of the podcast and i said bob i want to write a story about the hunt my hunting dog that just died mm-hmm because he was the best hunting dog. But that became, but I'm like, I get it. Mm-hmm. That's the last thing you want is another yeah. story about a dead dog. Sure. But that's going to be my hook. Yeah. Is that you don't want, like, that's the lead. The yeah. lead is everybody says theirs is the best hunting dog that ever lived, but mine actually was. Yeah. Now let me tell you, because you got to find a different way into it. Sure. So you write about dogs. I mean, yeah. This is one of my challenges of hunting. Okay, again, from my background in like Christian theology is there is no shortage of topics. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like uh uh Karl Barth's Church Dogmatics is like 12 volumes. It's mm-hmm. like I don't know how many 100,000 pages or something. Yeah. Uh it's I find it harder mm-hmm. to bring a hunt to life or a dog to, to life for the reader because there it's just a narrower scope mm-hmm. so how do you like tell me about that process of when you're riding in your truck and if something hits you is it like you have a different angle on something is it about a particular story or like what's that how, how do you um, get into it i would tell you what comes to mind is feeling and if you've read my writing i I think I can confidently say it's pretty evocative. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's why is because it, for me, it becomes, it comes from this, like, like I, I have a writer friend of mine. I've like, there's times where I literally feel like I just need to vomit this out. Like it, yeah. this emotion that comes and I just have to let it rip. And it, and it for me becomes this like stream of consciousness. I'm sure there's some, some sort of spiritual ties there. Like when you're, when you're praying, right? Like, you don't know what you need to say until you say it. Yeah. Um, and I think writing for me has become, become that. And it, so the best advice I've ever got about writing came from Chad Love, who's a former Quill Forever editor. And he went, write about dogs and bird hunting, but don't write about dogs and bird hunting. Yeah, it's, that's exactly and, right. And so yep. I, I'm absolutely, particularly in some of the pieces about my dogs, writing about that but I'm also writing about experience. So in the Mouthful of Feathers book, I wrote an essay called On Love and Bird Dogs. And I write about losing my wire hair, mm-hmm. but I also wrote about getting divorced. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like the parallels there are very similar. Um, 
you know, I started like with I didn't get into Bird Dogs to fall in love, and I didn't get into this to have my heart ripped out of my chest either. Uh, Bro, that's my whole book that's coming out in April. I mean, that's my whole book yeah. is like going through a divorce and dogs and hunting saving my life. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so that's how I tend to look at it. Like, all right, so here, here is this experience that I had and what is, how does that make me feel about as a microcosm of like other bigger things going on either in my life or the world or whatever. So that piece I mentioned about like resilience in COVID the reason that it, it, I wrote about it was because COVID had just like the world shut down. Yeah. And um, my best friend's grouse camp that we had all gone to for years was a trailer in northern Wisconsin and it collapsed due to snowpack. Mm. And so I basically wrote about like how that, you know, we're all getting punched in the mouth right now. And this was sort of like the last uppercut of the round that puts you down. Um, and what sort of brought me back to life in that, in that conversation and sort of brought it around more positively was we're four guys that just like are ruthless with each other and joking. And so like, it was like a, Oh man, that sucks. We're still going grouse hunting next season and we'll figure out what that looks like. Mm -hmm. Um, but it, at the same time, if you've read enough of my writing, grief is like a huge through line. And so it's my way to process whatever that is whether it be dogs dying because i've certainly wrote about that plenty or you know just sort of like processing significant emotion around grief mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah i uh, i mean one of the things for sure in my book is i deal with that poor brandon brandon produced the audiobook version so oh. i heard it over and over and over, and over <laughs> again but uh yeah, yeah. I mean, I have a whole chapter about death and the death. I mean, I, I kind of weave back and forth between killing a deer and watching my father die. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I was just thinking about this today even. how Okay, here's what I was thinking about today. Uh, I, I'm going hunting in South Dakota this mm-hmm. week again because I'm awesome. I'm in. I'm insane. That, not my by my account. I think I, that's incredible. I'm, I'm jealous. Com- I'm completely insane. So I'm going back in late January, which I've done now every year since they extended the season mm-hmm. for suckers like me to spend more money. That's Why the not? only reason they did it. It's just a. It's just like a brazen money grab. Yeah. For people like me who are crazy about pheasant hunting, um, and so I, you know, sometimes will I admit I fall into this little trap of like watching youtube videos of guys pheasant hunting Mm -hmm. with like the gopros on their hats yeah there's a lot of that out there and once you start watching them you just get served them more and more and more and more the algorithm is strong oh yeah Mm -hmm. and i'm the target market for the slow-mo shot (laughs) and that's what got me today mike i watched one short and it was a bird got up as a perfect point flush boom but it was in slow motion Mm mm-hmm and then the next one that got served to me was a short of a guy shooting a buck. Mm-hmm. And that he also did in slow motion. And so you know that moment when you hit a deer mm-hmm. and it jumps up and then cu- falls to the ground and it's clawing at the leaves. It's, 
pardon me, but I fucking hate that part. Yeah. Hate you're watching it. the life go out of it. Hate it. Yeah. I surely don't want to see it on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And that's what I saw twice today. And then I thought to myself, it affects me a lot more seeing this deer do that mm -hmm. than it does seeing a bird. But you can see when it's in slow motion, that bird is not dead when it's yeah. falling to the ground. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's still trying to live. Yeah. And I thought to myself, like, um, I probably need to drink less in 2024 and i probably need to watch less videos of animals dying in slow motion in 2024 mm. because it just seemed to me like not healthy yeah not okay not the way it was meant to be yeah um well and those yeah. what comes to mind is like the it's this the celebration of the death or the killing whereas well, for, for at least that. for me like yeah. that is is totally not why i go I mean, it's a part of it, and right, I think it's Leopold or somebody that talks about, like, you've got to have the the killing part to, to sort of complete the process of what you're doing, and, and I love, you know, eating what I kill and all of the types of things, and for me, part particularly with the dogs, like, you've got to complete the cycle with the dog to get the bird in its mouth and all of those types of things, but it's such a small fraction of the part of it, but to have all this, yeah. like, the slow-mo be just that one part, like, it, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't do it for me. No, it doesn't for me either. And I just think, well, that's not the way, this is a cliche way to say it, but like it's not the way God intended it to be for us to be watching animals die in slow motion. Yeah. Um, just like it's, I mean, you watch the NFL games and, and watch like no ref, no ref could know. No ref in real time could know if that ball was fumbled or not. Yeah. And then they slow it down, and they got the, all the high definition. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, well, they overruled the ref. I mean, because the ball came out like a fraction of a second before his knee was on the ground. Yeah. Stuff like this. And I, I think that's not natural either, but that's like a man-made thing. Yeah. But the, the death, death seems like shouldn't be in slow motion. No. Um, I'm glad we agree. <laughs> no i don't know i don't um tell me about you 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 just mentioned like prayer connecting with god what's your journey been in that and how's yeah. hunting intersected with that um it's been a windy road so grew up catholic uh went to private catholic school pretty much my entire life except kindergarten and graduate school so I uh, went to private all-boys Catholic high school, went to Marquette, uh, so Jesuit college, um, and absolutely appreciated faith and, and the values that that brought about. Um, at the same time, so I mentioned my grandfather dying, so a uh, critical uh, point of that uh, is that my grandfather uh, was murdered. And so for me, the way I took that when that happened, I went very like, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't go necessarily anti-God or anti-religion in behavior. Candidly by the grace of God. But I, um, I went very away from religion in that I was like, how do bad things happen to good people? And God wouldn't yeah. let these types of things happen. Um, and so I just sort of hung it up. Um, and I wouldn't necessarily say that I became, you know, an atheist or agnostic, but I just sort of like went like, organized religion is not for me, you know, particularly. So that happens, you know, the 
There was also, you know, we were like super steeped in conflicts in the Middle East that, you know, particularly from their perspective was, you know, there's a lot of like religious conflict in the Middle East and all of those types of things. And I was like, organized religion is responsible for a whole hell of a lot that's not going right in the world. I need to take a break. At the same time, you know, still go to Jesuit college, you know, still would go to mass on occasions. Um, but really just kind of let it be. Um, and, and went about my day-to-day life somewhat thinking about higher power um, and didn't really pay attention to it uh, until, is it 2020, December of 2020? No, November of 2020. Um, so I mentioned the guys I met in college that I hunt with. So one of them moves to Dallas, is very successful in commercial real estate, um, has a big deer lease. And so he invites us all. They're on a deer management program. He invites a bunch of our fraternity brothers down, and we go deer hunt and help them with their deer management, kill a bunch of does. It's a good time to reconnect. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has a mutual friend that he's since met there named Willie. And so we're down there, and um, you know, we're and it's generally like a for my buddies who are less serious about hunting than I am. It's an excuse to get together and party. I want to go hang out with my friends, but I also really like a freezer full of venison. And now that I bird hunt. I don't really have time to go deer hunting. Like I, I got a bird dog and I stopped deer hunting pretty much. And now I like shoot the first doe I can and put it in the freezer and I go back to bird hunting. So we're down there and um, alarm goes off one morning and, and Willie comes into our trailer. We stay in these big metal Connex containers that we've refurbished sure, okay. and whatever. So he comes in and, and he goes, he goes, Deuce, get up. They all call me Deuce. That's my college nickname. Like, he goes, Deuce, get up. You're hunting with me today. I'm like, okay, cool, Willie. So I get up and, We'd go out, and, and Willie and I spend all day together hunting. We'd hunt all morning, come back for lunch, hang out, go hunt all afternoon. And I, I don't usually talk about this with them, but it's the anniversary of my grandfather's death. And it, like that, I have it tattooed on me. Like that day is like, you know, seared into me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm like carrying this all day, all day. And, um, and we like don't really talk about it very much and um right at like last light i have an opportunity to shoot a deer and i can't and i'm and in my head like now it's like this thing like i'm gonna kill a deer it's the anniversary blah blah, blah. and i'm like in it in it the blind we we're in it came up the right side of the blind i'm on the right and i just can't like swing far enough over to get it and like and it's like right it's from me to the road it's 40 yards mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. you know um if the road is i'm seeing it sitting here in your living room you know, it's right, right there, and I can't get it done, and I'm pissed. But the sunset's beautiful. He actually, uh, he was taking, like, a time-lapse video of the sunset, so we just sat there and watched the sunset. And we had been together, had a great conversation, really connected. We didn't really know each other that well before that, and it really bonded throughout the day, talking about business and life and all this type of stuff. Talked a little bit about, you know, he's particularly religious and very spiritual, so talked a little bit about that. And uh, so we're sitting there, the sunset goes down, it's dark. And I'm talking dark, like, can't see him sitting next to me dark mm. and i go willie i gotta tell you something i told him about my grandfather and how that today's the day and, and he goes i woke up this morning and god told me i should go hunting with you today and i didn't know why but i'm glad i listened and um i don't know where i would be now th- four years later three years later had we not had that conversation mm. um the best part of that story is so we, so this like breaks the dam of like the spirituality conversation. Mm-hmm. 
so we hunt together the next morning. Um, and so then the, our whole conversation the next morning is about spirituality and religion, and all these types of things. Um, and through a very sort of windy, uh, actually wrote a, partially a story about this, um, for strung, uh, I killed the deer that morning and he was there and got to see it. And, and it really sort of like put this, uh, you know, sort of cement on our friendship and our bond. And so now like I, I so look forward to, to that trip, A, to see all of my friends, but like everybody knows, like it's become like the joke now, like Mike and Willie are hunting together. Don't try to hunt with either oh, of them cool. because like yeah. they're, they need to go have their, yeah. their, you know, connection. Um, and so it's become so much more than that, but that for me, like was the turning point and through conversations with him and like, how does God show up in your life? And, what do you look for? And and so for me, a very traditional in high school, after my grandfather died, I got really involved in service work. I mentioned I didn't necessarily, I never went the drugs and alcohol and, you know, that type of route. Um, I leaned more into like service. And so I did a lot of service trips and I ended up on um, Pine Ridge Reservation in South Dakota um, and really leaned into learning about like Native American culture and yeah. obviously ancestry is very important to them and how they view family and so i've always sort of taken my spirituality when i left the church so to speak i leaned my spirituality into sort of ancestral spirituality mm-hmm. um and i still do to a certain extent um and so for me i would tell you like god shows up for me or my grandfather shows up for me in birds of prey um and it particularly in the last several years i use that like I use that as a, as a checkpoint or help me make decisions, um, or just as a, as a calming presence. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, like it, for me, it works without, like from a faith perspective, it works without fail. Really? Yeah. Where on Pine Ridge did you live? Uh, I didn't live there. We were there for about, I guess a week, 10 days. Okay. Um, I lived there. This was a long time ago. I so. lived there a long time ago in Manderson, in okay. the town of Manderson, which is just like seven miles north of Wounded Knee. Yeah, you know? but I li- I lived on that reservation. Yeah, for a couple summers and very special place. It is. For me. Yeah, it'll teach you a lot. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, that place really changed my life. You know? Yeah. Um. So when you're hunting and you see a bird of prey. Mm-hmm what's that mean what's that do to you or yeah how, I, how do you how I, do you process that yeah you and i'm particularly when i'm bird hunting i'm like man i need to go over there because that thing's looking for something yeah that's right. um so i would tell you i don't even necessarily look for that in hunting it's like day to day you know i could i i think i saw three red tail hawks on the drive over here mm. um and at the, yeah but at the same time i certainly have um certain moments that like stick to me so so the background of my phone i don't know if you can see it but that's a an owl sitting on a uh, um, power line Mm -hmm. uh so that was november 14th of this year that's the day my grandfather died oh and i was in kansas bird hunting and so one of the things that my buddies and i do when we're in kansas is we sort of end the day and drink a beer and smoke a cigar on the tailgate um and that's how i ended the day was like literally we were about to pack up and this owl all of a sudden was just like right here yeah uh and for me it's it's this like hey i'm here you know that that uh presence of spirit of like you know i'm i got you you know Mm -hmm. um and for me now in this journey particularly as i've transitioned into 
owning and running a small business like that you mentioned or like you know the, the uncertainty and I call that an ass puckering that move. thank you <laughs> um you know like the for me that call that sense of presence is really impactful like gosh man keep going yeah um you know I wrote about it in the, the probably the last thing I wrote for for mouthful of feathers I went hunting on Halloween and I, yeah, um, I read that one in I ended it by talking about, you know, I saw these, these two red tails sort of hunting the field, um, you know, as I, as I left, um, you know, for me, I lost two dogs in an accident, uh, two, three years ago. And so for me, it, it was sort of like, you know, we're still out here too, you know, and I, it, in a car accident. No. Um, I mean, yeah. you don't have to recount it. If no, uh, heat stroke. Oh, dang. Um, yeah, and uh, and so, and one was my oldest dog, and one was was actually a littermate to to my short hair that lived. Mm. Um, and so, and I wrote that what I wrote about that piece was particularly my oldest dog was a great crippled bird recoverer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah, what well, and I, you know, having multiple dogs, like it was as much as you try to not to, you do compare your dogs, of course. And I love my short hair dearly. Yeah, but she's not the best cripple finder and i went out on a on an afternoon hunt and i you know i i literally third shot like i know i hit you and i'm watching you sail out and i'm in my head i'm watching you sail out going i'm never gonna find you and i hate that yeah um and go read the essay long story short she found it and for me it was like this like oh she can do it and i'm not giving her enough credit yeah you know um but as i was leaving for me it was like oh okay like you're showing me you're still around um Mm -hmm. you know for for them um and maybe you know you people could say like oh well you know you're just like ascribing meaning where there isn't i'm like what it's my my, i mean my ability to do you know my my prerogative if you will yeah it is your it's 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 every human being's freaking prerogative i mean it's why we have religion yeah it's why there are sacred texts because people ascribe meaning to stuff and there's no yeah you can't like there's no litmus test to see if it's actually was is a divine thing or a connection yeah. with an ancestor or whatever. Yeah, it is for me. So yeah. that's all that's yeah, exactly, important. Exactly, exactly. And I'll tell you, I, I know exactly what you're talking about because when I got this dog, I'm like, uh, the breeder I'd got my last dog from didn't have a litter, so he sent me to another guy. I got this dog. And then he starts to grow up, and he's like, he's 10 pounds lighter than my last lab. And I'm like, oh, he doesn't really have the... The fire in the belly. I mean, my last lab was like rippling muscle mm-hmm. and just, uh, you know, and, but you know what this guy's better at? A lot of things like finding cripples mm-hmm. because he's listens to me. Yeah. He's doesn't have the drive, but he's way more connected to me. Mm-hmm. And so if I tell him to go into some cover mm-hmm. to find a bird, he just is like, oh, okay. There must be a bird in there. Like yeah. he doesn't give up. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a trap that we fall into. It to is compare them, to compare them. So okay, before we go, dude, why would you buy an online retailing company? <laughs> oh uh, my gosh, that's just like because I've got a half a screw loose. Yeah, um, I like I'm like feeling anxious for you. Sure. Um. So, you know, obviously, like, there's the business reasons, right? Like, working for yourself and, yeah. and, 
income and, and all of those types of things. Uh, so two things, and this is, this is really kind of how I make a lot of decisions is, um, it's, it's, uh, like sort of paying tribute and legacy. So my grandfather was an entrepreneur at work for himself. That's like, I grew, I have the idea and the, like the, the confidence to be like, Oh, I can do that. Cause I watched the men in my life do that. Sure. Um, and, and I didn't get to this. I didn't know this until he was gone and until I got into dogs that, like, he trained bird dogs in his younger years. Oh, wow. It's all these, like, fascinating mm-hmm. parallels. Um, and, and candidly, my first dog, Plexi, was a wire hair and was an ugly dog, and that's what got me into NAVDA and, and finding the business and, you know, f- as a customer. And... um there is a significant part of me that looks at as an opportunity to make sure that her legacy doesn't die. Okay. Um, and, and, and particularly in the vein that I am, a, I'm not an adult onset hunter, but I'm an adult onset bird hunter. Bird hunter you know, yeah, when I was, yeah. I was, I didn't know anything. Yeah. Um, and it's my life now. Yes. And, and I don't, I, I love it. I mean, I, I, I am here in Minnesota because I can hunt wild birds if I really, you know, there's not a ton of them, but there's wild birds 15 minutes from my house. And yeah. there's a ton of wild birds within four hours of oh, my tell house. Tell me about it. Um, yeah. And, and it's like the, it's the thing for me. Yeah. Um, and so to, to be able to take this, and my goal for it is to be able to take this and leverage it into providing, you know, obviously gear and whatnot, but, but educational opportunity for folks who are like me to go out and be able to have those similar experiences to yeah. go and, and, and be out in, you know, whether it's a preserve hunt or, or wild bird hunt, whatever, but to go out and take your dog and build that relationship, um, you know, is, is incredible. You know, so you, the first question you asked me, like, you know, do you love your dog? And I said, unconditionally, I actually was having this, this conversation recently uh my girlfriend said like do you think your dog loves you unconditionally and i said absolutely Mm. um and so it's only it's only fair that i love her unconditionally back um and that's a i mean i i don't necessarily want to get into specifics but i almost killed her Mm. and she that dog loves me every day you know (laughs) um and and so why would i not yeah. And so for me, it, like it has been the thing that has transformed my life into what it is and, and yeah. vastly for the better. Why would I not try to pay that forward to other people? That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. What's your favorite piece of gear, mm. a bird, upland bird hunting piece of gear that you sell that you think, oh man, why does every hunter not have this? If you run a GPS, if you don't run a, a Garmin watch. Oh. You know, that's, that's the, the game changer to, yeah. to particularly if, cause, cause the GPS when it started was for peace of mind, but now in our world of control, it has become like, I need to know where my dog is at all times. Right. Um, so to keep people's hands on their guns and not in their pockets to be able to just look down and know where the dog is. Okay. Um, it's, it's frivolous absolutely i mean as a lab guy that's just like yeah this dog never gets more than 40 yards in front of me ever yeah um i would tell you the the other one i'm actually finishing up um working on a a deal to be able to sell orvis stuff um i will put i will put 
my pin or my you know stake in the ground there is not a better piece of gear like in terms of clothing than an orvis pro lt pullover really those things are bulletproof i got one when i was with rgs in 2020 and i still wear it and it it you know i have put that through briar swamps in the south and grouse covers up here day in and day out you know blocks the wind in the prairie it's like a three-quarter zip three-quarter zip it's actually probably a half zip it's real deep so you can get it on and off but it's um it's like a the face of it is a almost like a sheer nylon um that sounds justice but it i mean mine has one or two pulls in it but you know like you end up in blackberries and grouse cover yeah, I mean you can wear or that barbed thing. wire. Yeah, bar- you can wear that thing with a t-shirt, you know, and and no kidding, not really. What's that run? What's one of those run? Probably one thirty off the top of my head. It's not cheap. No, but it. it I mean, I've worn it four seasons. Yeah, I mean that's and, the thing, right? and that that's you know right. Like good gear is is usually expensive, but it's yeah, if it's why good, it's worth it. Right, that's why I write for Tom Beckby. Exactly. <laughs> for yeah, the gear. I mean, and that Beckby stuff is you know, pretty, like their oh their jackets. Gosh, dude, my divorce, I, great. I've worn it every day since it's arrived. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. So, so um, that okay. would be one that I would tell you. And the, and the nice thing with that too is they make a men's and a women's. Oh, so okay. You know, the the one of the biggest areas that I hear about constantly, and I'm committed to trying to fix, is that women need good gear yeah. too. Well, I'll put your show, uh, your store in the show oh, thank notes, you. obviously. Yeah. And will you like be at Pheasant Fest? Will you Absolutely. There? Yeah. Good. Yep. And Rendezvous probably? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. I'll be at both of we'll, those. We'll be around for sure. Well, thanks, man. Thanks for coming on. And it's great to get to know you better. And Likewise. I'd love to hunt sometime. I don't have a guy who can probably go out in the short tail grass. Well, I do. And I have another one coming. So. Oh, is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So. Sounds good. Well, thanks. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you.